All right, Matthew chapter 5 this morning. I wanted to preach on Christmas again. I figured y'all had enough of that. And some of you are so glad it's over. And uh, that's a bad attitude. But, uh, you know, thank God for, for uh, Christmas. Thank God he came to us. Amen. And it's going to be a good year, especially with Brother Adam. Praise God. Mark, May 23rd. I almost said March 23rd. That's my anniversary. May 23rd, he'll be married. Uh, I'm going to have part in the... Uh, Ceremony and Brother Jason's going to be the best man. And um, I wish he'd reschedule to 12 o'clock in the middle of the day so I get home. But I'll be home about 3 o'clock the next morning and uh, we'll let Brother Jeremy preach because I'll be sleeping on the front row saying, Praise God, he's married. But no, anyway, it's going to be a great time uh, this year and a lot of great events going to take place. Um, my grandson Tyler's getting married June 22nd. What's good about that is the family's coming in for a month. Uh, to be with him and help him during this ceremony and all this stuff, but we're going to enjoy that so much, them coming home. So we're looking forward to a great year. How about you? Amen? Amen. You ought to smile about it by faith. Yes. Tonight I'm going to preach a very unusual message <clears throat> on how to finish right, and we're going we're to entitle it Looking Back on 2019. Uh, there's three things you ought to look back on in 2019. And if you look back right and you lived with these three things in mind, a war, a walk, and a faith. I've, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. And if you don't think the Christian life is a warfare, try to do something for God. Amen. And watch the devil try to stop you. Yes. Amen. Now he's all, he, you're all right if you're lukewarm. He won't, he won't even bother you. He'll say, just go. He'll push you a little bit. He'll pry you a little bit. Oh, go ahead and stay lukewarm. But if you get involved in the ministry, all hell breaks out <clears throat> in your life. Be ready. So I'm going to preach on the warfare tonight. Don't miss it. Don't miss it because I'm going to tell you something. You think this Christian life's just a picnic. No, it's a warfare. And you need to realize it so you can defeat the devil in 2020. So please be back at 6 o'clock, <clears throat> 5.30 prayer. <clears throat> all right, let's stay in awe of the Word of God. <clears throat> How many's choked up with sinuses today, but you're still here? Praise God. Pray for the preacher because I got some of it too. But I want to preach on real lights in a dark world. Real lights in a dark world. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 what kind of attitude we ought to have in this world as real lights. It says, And seeing the multitude, he went up to the mountain, when he was set, when he was said, his disciples came with unto him, <clears throat> and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness." That was our theme this past year. For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And here's our text. Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets 
which were before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if, you, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set up on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And he giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I just preached a few minutes on real lights in a dark world. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much <clears throat> for what's already went on, the good time we've had with Brother Adam and his fiance and God, thank you for uh, the Sunday school meeting. God, thank you for the Sunday school hour. and Thank you, dear God, for the, the message. Uh, God, that we need to have wisdom from above that's peaceable, merciful, pure. And Lord, I thank you, dear God, for these that's gathered here and those that are listening. I pray that Ms. Hazel's listening and others, God, that for the first time. And I thank you, dear God, for uh, the testimonies of these folks in this room that it's a bright light in a dark world. And God, help us this year to have a good testimony. Help us to keep our testimony pure. Help us, God, no matter what happens, not to quit. Lord, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how the devil's going to try to rear his ugly head. But God, we know there's a battle. And we pray that we'd be faithful to finish right. And so, Lord, bless the service this morning, tonight, prayer meeting at 530. Thank you that we can bless your holy name because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if any of you <clears throat> have ever watched this TV program, <clears throat> and I'm not going to preach against it because I kind of like it. It's on um, a bunch of people that spend thousands and thousands and thousands of hours and dollars to decorate their house so they can win a big, huge trophy that looks like a Christmas light that's big as this pulpit. They also win $50,000. And this one guy, he's a Texas A&M <clears throat> student, year before last or last year, <clears throat> put, put a 20-foot tall lighthouse, a giant snowman made of tractor tires on a lawn filled with hundreds of um, lights. Matter of fact, it was 150,000 lights. That guy must be totally bored to count all those. 150,000 Christmas lights, other large decorations, 15-foot uh, reindeer, 20-foot sleigh, life-size gingerbread house, and all this uh, he put up and he uh, had this on TV, ABC's Great Christmas Light Fight. That's wonderful, isn't it? A light fight. I mean, they had a light fight. And praise God, he won $50,000 and a big old trophy of a Christmas light. And you say, man, that was good. And I like lights, amen. The other day I almost got hit by a car because I stopped to look at some lights on 140 coming out of uh, somewhere, Waleska, going towards Aldersville. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, acres of lights. This is you ought to go down there and look at it, but get off the road because that's a fast road. And I like Christmas lights. I've, I've asked, I've, I promised my wife for... 43 years we'd go to Rock City, and we're going to one year. 
uh, to well, look at those lights, amen? Stone Mountain, lights. But I want to tell you something, folks. The greatest light is your testimony. The greatest light in this dark world is Christians that will walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Folks, the disciples faced some very perilous times and intense persecution, and the Lord knew they were going to do that. You know, the, mo the main thing we probably get hurt is our feelings when we go visit. We don't get shot at. We don't get arrested. We don't get put in jail and, and uh, have to spend years and years in persecution. We don't get fed to lions, and we don't, we don't uh, get uh, 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 be entertainment against uh, gladiators and everything in arenas like they did in those days, live in catacombs and live, live uh, destitute and be deserted by your own family if you're as a Jew. No, we, we have it easy. Uh, there's some people that don't have it easy, like the Tolsons in China. I'll give you a report on them in just a minute. But I want to show you this beatitude of persecution. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to be a witness in a world of no peace. I want to say, friend, the world's falling apart. We're in perilous times. And there's people that are falling apart. Their marriages are falling apart. Their kids are falling apart. They're falling apart. And folks, we need to be peacemakers. And we need to have peace with God and the peace of God. But this beatitude, our Lord was encouraging these Christians to be a testimony and stand for the faith no matter how hard it gets. And it was going to get very hard. I see, first of all, the character of persecution. Uh, this is very significant about the characteristics of the word and the definition of the word persecuted. The Bible says um, in verse 12, excuse me, verse 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Folks, persecuted meant this. It means they were pursued. It was aggressive persecution. They were after them. They wanted to hurt them. They wanted to embarrass them. They wanted to stop them. There's pain in this word persecution. There was cruelty and, and uh, hurt and injury. There was even death. Many people died for the faith when Jesus was given this beatitude to them. And then there was persistency. That describes a present, persistent, unrelenting persecution. We ought to pray for the persecuted church. Amen. We ought to pray for the people that are entering into places that are Muslim dominant. And I mean the government's Muslim, the whole works is Muslim, like over in Egypt where the gates just had to leave there. But the West, by the grace of God, Gazaway is still there. I don't know how he's there. I don't know how he's found favor, but praise God, he's there. And then in China, we know the situation there with our missionary that we're trying to give an offering to. Folks, what is the pain of that? Cruelty, injury, unrelentingly, the cause of persecution. Here it is in this verse. Look at it. For righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. You know, folks, when you live for God, it's for His sake. It's for His glory. Number one, you got to have the right attitude. Then you got to have some works. You got to have a good attitude and some good action. It's called your lifestyle it needs to be different. 
for righteousness' sake. Look at verse 10 again. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For righteousness, for purity. Folks, the persecutors were not righteous. They were unrighteous. They were antichrist. They were ungodly. And then we see the perplexity about this cause. The fact that they're right, the righteous upset people to the extent that they wanted to persecute them does not seem logical. Why would you want to hurt somebody for living for Christ? But in that day, uh, they were angry because it interrupted their lifestyle. It interrupted their popularity. Even the scribes and the Pharisees persecuted Christians in those days. And so, folks, we see that there's persecution today. I read this from a letter from our missionary Mark. I won't give you his last names in case somebody broadcast this in China. You never know where a broadcast is going to go. But Pastor Mark, after he was questioned Sunday by the police, he was released, but is still unsure about the follow-up from, from them. Pastor Charles, that's one of his men that he trained. He was contacted by the police again, and it was decided on what to do to go meet with them or not. Pastor LeBron, a lot of the Chinese named their kids after NBA stars. That's why they're so upset, amen. We're taking the NBA away from them, I think. I don't know. He hasn't been contacted recently, although his mother's very sick. She's, on, she's probably on her deathbed. She needs the gospel, and he's afraid that he's going to be arrested and not be able to witness to his mother. And it says, please pray for these men. They're, they're nervous and scared. That's going on today with our missionaries. That's why he's in Taiwan and not in China. He said, yet they have, they have a strong faith. They have families they care about and must protect, yet they have faith to live it out. This is the road of the cross, the road of discipleship, Brother Mark says. And he wrote this. So many names I questioned the certain circumstances. So many times I questioned the certain circumstances and things I could not understand. Many times in trials my weakness blurs my vision and that's when my frustration gets so out of hand. It's then I reminded I've never been forsaken. I've never been forsaken. I never had to stand one test alone. As I look at all the victories, the Spirit rises up in me. And it's through the fire my weakness is made strong. He never promised the cross would not get heavy. And the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered a victory without fighting. He said help would always come in time. Just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision. And the, advis and the advisors and advisory says give in. Just hold on. Our Lord will show up. Yeah. He will take you through the fire again. Folks, there was a prestigious reward for persecution. I want you to look at verse 12, and I'll get to the message. This is all introductory. He says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted the prophets which were before you. For it's a royal blessing. It's a higher position than an earthly reward. The Bible says, rejoice for you have a reward in heaven. 
See, folks, one day you're going to give account for 2019. What you did with the opportunities you had, how faithful you were, and how you kept on going and how you never quit. That's going to be, according to your faithfulness, you'll be rewarded. According to your love for God, according to your motive, you'll be rewarded. And folks, it's a pure reward. It's from heaven. And it's a permanent reward. It's eternal. And folks, I want you to know the beatitude for this persecution is you're going to suffer shame and slander and hurt. But here's the reason you ought to do it. Verse 11, verse 11, the last three words, for my sake. For my sake. Let me just say this. If you're going to have a great year and you're going to have a faithful year, you need to live for your, your not your sake, but his sake. Your you're here for His sake. For His sake. And folks, if God calls on you to go to a mission field or, or go to a place where you're not popular and you're in the minority, it's popular in the United States to be a Christian. It used to be. I mean, all the presidents try to be holy when they get into office. Jimmy Carter said he was born again. He kept on saying that. First time shocked everybody. And folks, I want you to know the Bible gives us a command about persecution. Look at verse 12. It says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. You know, we're so whimsical and sensual, sensual, sens sensual that the only time we're happy is when we're feeling good. The only time we smile is when somebody compliments. The Bible says we ought to be exceedingly, exceedingly glad when we suffer. Amen. Now that's hard. That's not, that's not natural. But I want to tell you something, it's very spiritual when you're exceedingly glad and rejoice because it's a sanctified command, God honoring disposition instead of a grumpy, gripey, down-in-the-mouth attitude gives God the glory. Amen. Folks, we need to see the compensation as great is your reward. And it's in heaven. And it's great. And folks, if it's in heaven, that means you're going to heaven. And thank God you ought to realize this. There's a better day ahead. Amen. Those in prison around the world, there's a better day ahead. Those that's had to leave their mission field, broken hearted, to protect their preacher boys and their families. And I should say preacher men because they're real men. There's a better day coming. There's a better day coming. And folks, there's going to be encouraging crowd in heaven is going to meet those that's persecuted and say, well done, a good and faithful servant. I want to ask you a question in closing. What should we do in a dark world? Somebody asked me the other day, he said, you know, you got a Calvinistic church just moved into bank. Then you got another Christian church. Lord, I don't know what they believe. Then you go on down a little bit and you got this Bala Hala uh, disguise karate studio. No offense, there, there's some Christian karate people here. But, uh, and, and they're Buddhists. Then you go on down the road and look on the left, and there's Kingdom Hall. And then lo and behold, if you top the hill on Doug Gap Road, there's this big old steeple with some odd looking Pillsbury symbol on the top. And you got Islam, you got Muslims on Doug Gap Road. Then you come on down here and here's a little independent Baptist church, preach the Bible. And some guy said, what you going to do? I said, I guess what we're going to do is shine 
in a dark road, on a dark road. Amen? I believe the truth will set you free. And I believe the truth sets you apart. And folks, there's a sanctified work for you to do in 2020. I want you to look at it. It says you're the salt of the earth. You're salty. You ought to be salty. Salt sanctifies. Without salt, the ocean would be a putrefied, disease-plagued water. I often wonder, why has this salt in this water? I said, because God created it that way. But God preserves the fish and the death even in the salt. Uh, the, the, the holiness influences the world. Holiness influences and promotes purity. Folks, there ought to be some purity about your life. You ought to be salt. I mean, if you get in somebody's eye salt, a grain of salt, you know it. It can just be a little piece of salt, and it'll, it'll get in your eye. You know it's there. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to have a good testimony. Because I'm going to say something, and I'll say it, and you don't, you don't want to hear it again, but to somebody, you're the best salt they know. Salt sanctifies. Salt saves. Before refrigerators... That's when me and Brother Lamar came up. No, we're not that old. Before refrigerators, what did they do to preserve meat? They put it in the salt house, I guess it's called. That's why I love country ham. Pray God. Woo! Because they put it in the salt. Amen. I love it. It's bad for your blood pressure, but it's good to the taste. Amen. Salty. It preserves. And we don't realize that, folks, the ingredients... There is that it keeps it from rotting. And folks, this world would be rotten if it wasn't for the salt. You're the salt. But I want to, you know, and also seasons. My wife likes a lot of salt. I don't like salt. But she better not leave it out of the grits. Amen. I like, I like a little salt in my grits. I like a little butter. I like a little grits with my butter. Or, amen, or butter with my grits, or whatever. But I want to tell you something, I like a little salt. Salt seasons. It preserves, it sanctifies. But folks, I want to tell you something, it flavors. The presence of godliness will encourage and inspire and help your children more than anything else. That you're godly. You want to help your children be godly. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's wonderful when your children turn out right. It's wonderful when they have a desire for God. A little one came up to me this morning. I was so glad to see her. Brother Allen brought his little girls down from back from Baltimore. And that little old girl was just so excited about being in Sunday school for the first time. And she wants to be saved. She's talked to Daddy all about, all about it since she's been home. She's so excited about being in this church. Nine years old. And I want to tell you something, friend. We can't let her down. We've got to be a good example. We've got to be salt. We've got to be salt. The Sunday school teacher's got to be salt. I'm so glad Miss Rebecca took her under her arm and escorted her to her class. Second grade. First time she's been in a second grade Sunday school class. That's exciting. That's thrilling. That can make a difference in this little girl's life who she marries, who she dates. 
where she lives, how she lives. And folks, I want to tell you something, folks. It's all because of salt. But here's the warning. Look at verse 13. It says, but if henceforth, it says, but if the salt has lost its savor or flavor, wherein shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but is cast out and be trodden under foot of men. In the Bible days, when they want to get rid of the weeds, they just put the salt down on the trail and people would trample under it. And I want to say this, friend. We need to realize that if we lose our saltiness, we lose our flavor, our holiness, our Christ-likeness, our love, our countenance, all these beatitudes, if we get a sorry attitude, then we've lost our season. We lost the flavor. You ought to be a joy to your work place. You ought to be a joy to your home. You ought to be an old grouch and grump. I pray to God that I won't ever get grumpy and grouchy. That's what uh, Brother Lamar preached on this morning in Sunday school. That was good. He's not a grump or a grouch. He gives Nell a hard time once in a while, but he's, he's not. He's glad to be here. Amen? And I want to tell you something, folks. The warning to salt is this. Folks, if the godly fall into sin and corrupt their character, they have lost their saltiness, and the judgment will be this. Good for nothing. Good for nothing. You ever been called a good for nothing? I hope not. But I want to tell you something. God could call you good for nothing if you're not going to live it. You're good, good to be trampled underfoot. Christian service and testimony is important. And I want to tell you this, sin, sin disables a Christian from service and disables their testimony. Right. How many times have we heard about preachers falling into sin? But I want to say something, friend. It's just as important that deacons live for God and that teachers live for God and that parents live for God, that teenagers live for God because someone needs the salt. Henceforth, good for nothing. Without saltiness, salt is, is worthless. They put it on the road and make it pavement. A Christian cannot lose his soul, but a Christian can lose his savor. You can't lose your soul, but you can lose your testimony. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose the joy of it. Don't think you can just come to church and get joy if you're not going to live for God Monday through Saturday. It ain't going to work. This is not the pump-up pep rally. This is not the show. This is not entertainment. This is not Ted Mac Amateur Hour where you can feel good about yourself when you leave here. Folks, the Bible says it'll be cast out. Bad salt's thrown away. Defiled believers are often disciplined out of a church fall into great sin and they won't repent. They have to be cast out. But I want to show you in closing, i got about 15 minutes, the main crux of this message. It says you are the light of the world. A city that's set up on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light to all that are in the house and so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And here it is. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
he closes with this. You're going to be persecuted. And blessed are you that are going to be persecuted. And you ought to rejoice exceedingly. But while you're being persecuted, be salt and be light. Don't lose the glow. I want you to see, first of all, the comparison here. Without light, we're, we won't live. Lights are most useful. It was the first thing that was called into being, let there be light. I like lights, you can tell. We got too many lights in this place, but we had to fill the hole, so praise God, they're still up here, amen? This place is not dark. I've been in churches where I could sleep very easily because it was so dark and so dead. I like light. I like a lot of light. I want so much light in here that it reflects off my bald head right into your eyes. But I want the light of God's love. I want, God, I want the light of God's presence. And I want the light of godly leadership in this church that has a testimony that's real. Because that's what shines the brightest in a dark world. You talk about Christmas lights. The real Christmas light is you and me shining forth. There's a lot of people home sitting in the darkness of depression. There's a lot of people at home sitting in hangover from the world because they've lived like heathens Monday through Saturday. And they ain't about to come to this church because they'll feel very uneasy. Come on, say amen. If you don't feel uneasy about sin, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. Light, like salt, is very important. Without light, we won't live. Light's useful. I see, first of all, the prestige of light. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You know, the world looks down on God's people, but God's people are the ones who light the world. You're the, hey, you're the, hope, we get, you're the hope the world's got. It's not in the president. And it's definitely not in the Congress or the Senate, or the judicial system, or education. You are the light of the world. So shine. God's people are the ones who are the light of the world. So shine. It's a high position. You're to shine unto the world. God wants to use you. And a lot of people get so excited about the being a representative of God, they forget the responsibility to God. And then I see the place of shining. It says, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hilltop cannot be hid. Neither do men put a, light a candle, but put it on a bushel. And put it on a candlestick and give it light to all that are in the house. I look at verse 16. It says, let your light so shine before men. It's a dark world. It's a dark world. If you watch the newscast, and I watch it often, I used to make fun of old people watching the news. I thought, man, that's the craziest thing. Here, here's, they ain't going to miss that 6 o'clock and that 6.30. They're going to tune in. Now I, I is one. I watch that news, boy. And when I watch that news, sometimes I'll turn to Connie and say, Connie, is this world totally crazy? Here's a mother that pushed her two kids off the top of a roof and then she jumped. 
And I thought, man, go ahead, lady, and jump, but let some godly couple adopt that babies. Don't kill them. We have lost it. This world is absolutely 100% crazy. Can I say that with authority? Watch the news and you'll think, my word, what's next? You go to the shopping mall, you're not safe. You go to school, you're not safe. Some people come to this church, think they're not safe. Trust me, you're safe here in the will of God. We also got some people that ain't going to let nothing happen to you. One time a guy walked down the aisle with a golf club all the way to the aisle and nobody did anything but protect their kids and start taking their kids off the front row. They didn't care about me. I mean, I said, well, is anybody going to stop the guy? He's coming down the aisle with a three iron with blood on it. That happened. And one guy said, well, I thought you was promoting the golf tournament. I, thought, <laughs> I said, man, if a guy comes in the door, jump him, amen. Praise God, we'll pray for him later. He went, came down the aisle, and I, I recognized who I was. I said, Mickey, you better not interrupt this service. He said, I'm not going to. After he said, I said, what in the world are you doing? He had a terry cloth uh, um, robe, gym shorts on, hadn't shaved in five years. I mean, he hadn't brushed his teeth in 16 months because he got right in my face. And I said, what are you doing here? He said, well, my friend beat his girlfriend to death with this club, and I thought I'd come put it on the altar. And I said, well, I thought you were going to put it upside of my head. And I want to tell you something, friend. It's a dark day. Some people don't even say, feel safe in church. But I want to tell you what we need to do. We don't need to run. We don't need to cower down. We need to shine. What's the only hope for darkness? Somebody's got to go into their life and shine. A dark place, men. It's a dangerous place. When Jesus was exhorting these, these missionaries and these disciples the word witness meant martyr. They knew they were going to die for their faith. Would you be faithful if you knew that somebody was going to take your life this morning? See, the pattern of shining is found in closing, verse 14 and 15. Uh, we need to be a city on a hill. We should shine so there's no one that would doubt that we're a Christian. No doubt about it. I'm sick and tired of Christians being question marks for God. You ought to be an exclamation point for God. And I don't mean brass, I don't mean rude, but I mean real. Real! Faithful! Steadfast! On a hilltop! Not proud, but humble that God would call you to be the light for your class, the light for the lost, the light for your job place, the light for your neighborhood, the light of the world. You are called to be the light of the world. And you can put $150,000 in a bunch of lights for 150,000 lights and win a bub and $50,000 you want to, but I'd like to see one soul get saved because of my testimony. And he was a real Christian. He lived what he preached. He lived what he professed. We're a light city on a hill. Then it says, we're a light, we're a candle in the house. A candlestick shed light to the entire room. I want to tell you something, friend. Your testimony is powerful. And there's one thing that you cannot afford to lose. Listen to me, Christian. It's your testimony. 
If you don't get anything else out of this message, keep your testimony salt. Light in a dark world. But some people put it under, here's the preventing of the shining. Not only do we have the pattern for the shining on a city, on a hill, in a house, candlestick, but the preventing of the shining is put it under a bushel. Look at verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Number one, so many people are so fearful. Well, I don't, I don't want anybody to know I'm a Christian. Why not? They need what you got. Christ. Amen. We identify with everything else, praise God. I'm surprised somebody didn't show up with a uh, tiger orange on this morning. Pray, my team won. Yeah, every time you're, somebody wins, it's your team. Say amen. Come on. They're my team now too. Amen. But oh, I'm surprised. We identify with the bulldogs. Come on. We teach our children. Identify with Northwest now. Put that jacket on. Wear that orange and blue. Wear that gray and burgundy. Wear that Dalton red. Come on, Miss Styles. Say amen right there. I pick on Dalton a lot. and She gives me a hard time. Go ahead and identify because that's your team. I'm going to tell you something. Your God is worth identifying with. Amen. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You ought to be distinctly Christian. You know, I, I learned this this week from a good friend of mine, Chris Simpson. He, he put this on his Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. I don't know, Twitter, whatever it is. Tweety, tw I don't know, Twitter. He said that Oak Island, North Carolina Lighthouse, now this is a fact, this, this is worth going on Twitter for, praise God. The Oak Island, North Carolina Lighthouse has four quick flashes every 10 seconds. Just want y'all to know that. Four quick flashes every 10 seconds. Amen. You know why? You know why? Because every lighthouse is different. Because what they're saying is, by a lighthouse, you not only know where you are, or you don't know where or you know where it is, the lighthouse, but you know where you are. Good or bad, you know where you are when you see the light. That lighthouse tells me, hey, listen, you're off the certain coast here because this is my blink. This is my identity. This is how I shine. I thought all lighthouses just shine, but they have ways of shining. So you'll know when you're navigating up the coast, well, I must be here. That's the Four blinks every 10 seconds. Amen. And you know where you're at. And I want to say this, friend. When there's a light that comes in the room, you ought to convict the world of righteousness, of judgment, because you are distinctively different. You're a one of a kind. You're not blending in with the crowd. You're not trying to get into the darkness, but you're coming into a situation to say, hey, Christ is real. And he's worth glorifying. Amen. If you lose your testimony, you're going to send people to hell. That, can I repeat that? If you lose your testimony, some going to say, if that's a Christian, it ain't much different than the world. It's under a bushel. It's flavorless. 
It's blending in. It's a stinking chameleon. Wants to be cool. Wants to be accepted. Wants to be popular. And I want to tell you something. You walk in a room, you won't make a dent in that darkness. Because you're just like them. Or worse, you shouldn't be like them. And when you are, you lose your saltiness. You lose your light. You're just blinking. On, off, on, off. A lot of times off. I'm bitter, off. I'm angry, off. I want to be popular, so I'll just go with the darkness. Isn't it amazing? People lose their testimony to be accepted. Peer pressure is nothing but dark pressure. The devil wants you to blend in. The devil wants you to lose your testimony. And if you can lose your testimony, he's got you right where he wants you in normalcy, mediocrity, and lukewarmness. And he'll say, that's exactly where I want you. But a Christian, that is different. Distinctive. Humbly peaceful. Hey, meek, Mourning over those that are hurt. Poor in spirit, humble. All the attitudes, peacemaker, pure in heart. It's a light and a salt. And folks, why should we be a light in 2020? Why should we be a light in our home to our children? Why should we be the best Christian somebody knows? Here it is, verse 16, I close. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. First 12 verses, good attitude, now it's good works. Because if you have a sorry attitude, you ain't going to have much works. But look at this. It says, that they may see your good works and what? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want to close by saying this. This life's not about you. And this coming year is not about you. Well, I just hope I can get a good year in. Happy New Year. I just hope I can have a lot of things and I hope I can be popular and I hope I can get rich and I hope the stock market goes up and I hope this, I hope that. And folks, your hope and desire ought to be this, that your life would be used as a light. For what? To make you popular, to make you a celebrity? No, to glorify Him. I close with saying this. Sin dishonors God. But good works honors God. And the last time I checked, Isaiah 43, 7, that's why you were created. That's why you're saved. For His sake. Persecuted for His sake. Salty for His sake. Consistent for His sake. Separated for His sake. Victorious over the devil, sin in the flesh, for his sake. And another way of saying it, for his glory. Your life will count this year if you shine for his glory. And I can't think of a better time to shine than 2020 because I think it's darker than it's ever been before.
It's more wicked than it's ever been before. Unnatural affections, perilous times, dishonoring times, sinful times. You know, I think that we've accepted sin too long. And then I think now we're celebrating sin. And now the world's mad if you stand against sin. And God's called us to be a light for His glory. Your testimony is too valuable to be trodden under man. Your testimony is too much needed Pardon the bad English. Because a lost and dying, heathen, black, dark world is out there saying, I can't find my way. I can't find the way out of this darkness. I can't find the path. I got in it like a whirlpool of sin, and I'm deep in it, and I can't find the way. And then you walk into their life as salt and as light. They might persecute you, but you ought to be rejoicing and exceedingly glad that you can stand for God and prove that you're not in it for yourself or for the fun, but for God's glory. The light is needed in 2020. And I believe this could be the last year before the light comes to this world and calls us home. Father, use this message. I preach from my heart about the, probably the greatest need in our church and in this world is for Christians to be salt with flavor. A light, not under a bushel, but on a hilltop. Shining forth works that would glorify your precious name. God, thank you for creating us for your glory. Thank you for saving us for your glory. I thank you for sustaining us through 2019 for your glory. Now, Lord, I don't know about all these cults moving in on Dugout Road, but I know one thing. I want our little old church, I want each member of this church on each daddy and mama, husband and wife, teenager, to be a light. To have a real testimony in a dark world. God, make us real lights in a dark world. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Have me say, preacher, I know I'm saved. I know I have the light in my soul. I'm glad that Jesus showed me the light. Showed me Calvary. I saw the light maybe through a godly preacher or a godly deacon or a godly daddy or mama or a godly grandmother or grandfather. I'm so glad I saw the light. But I'm so glad I received the light. I know I'm saved. If I died today, I know I'd go to not a dark place called hell, but a place of light, love, and joy, heaven. I'm glad I'm saved. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? I'd be glad you're saved. Say amen. Is there anyone that could not raise your hand and say, Preacher, please pray for me. I have not the light of God in my soul. I'm in darkness. And I don't want to be there. And I don't want to go to hell.
I want to go to heaven. I want you to please pray for me. And I want to take some people with me to heaven. I want to be a light. You'd say, preacher, please pray for me. I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer and then back down? Anyone? Just slip it up, then back down. You're not sure. You're not sure. You better be 100% sure. If sin don't bother you, you better, you better get saved. Anyone else? Anybody else? Have me say, preacher, I'm saved by the grace of God. Didn't do anything to get it. I just believed in the, what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. Three days later, he rose from the dead. But I want to be a light. I truly want to be a light. And I want my testimony to be a radiant, proof positive evidence that God is real. And I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? All over this place. i got to raise mine. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for the challenge to be the light of the world. God, make us just that. Pray for those who couldn't raise their hand to be saved. I pray, dear God, that they come and let us show them in the Bible how to be saved and receive the light of the world, the light of eternity, the light of life, Jesus Christ. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.